0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar
1: Heel gear.
0: Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast, presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. We have a very special guest for this episode. Uh, I'm here with Buck Sanders. Uh, of IC, and of course, now I'm joined by UNC's offensive coordinator, Phil Longo. How's it going, Phil? Going good. How y'all doing? Great. So we're going to get right into this. We'll go ahead and turn over to Buck to get us started on this offensive edition of the Inside Carolina podcast. Coach, uh, one of the things that has been a recurring theme during the offseason is how much returning production you have on the offense. Uh, all the major skill players are back. You've got Sam Howell back. Uh, you got a lot of players coming back on the offensive line. Just give us your quick prognosis on how that might translate to uh, 2020
1: season. Well, I mean, we, we went into the 2019 season feeling like we were really young. We had a lot of players with very little experience. Obviously, we starting a true freshman quarterback and – you know, an array of guys at the skill positions and up front that didn't have a lot of starts, if if any. And but the you know the silver lining there is that coming back your following season, like we will be heading into 2020, you've got a lot of guys now that have starts under their belt, um, both up front and and at the skill spots. And so we lose uh, Charlie Heck, who will be a draft pick, you know, in this upcoming NFL draft. Um, Antonio Williams um, was a, uh, a very productive back for us, and uh, and then obviously Nick Polino, who battled through some injuries, um, and then you know you had tight end Carl Tucker and, and uh, tight end Jake Vargas, So those five are the five we lose. Five is not necessarily uh, a lot. Two of those players were every down starters, and three of the others contributed, you know, a good amount. But we do we have a great nucleus coming back in just about every room. And, uh, if, if we do our job in the off season, um, and we get bigger, faster, stronger, smarter, like everybody is working to do, then, uh, we should, we should be able to reap the benefits from, from having a lot of experience return in 2020.
0: Let me ask you about the, uh, quarterback position for a second. You know, Sam Howe set all sort of freshman records. Um, you know, he's obviously going into the season, uh, the starter. But how do you feel going into 2020 about the backup
1: position? Well, I, I won't rehash last year, but we all know how it went from three to one, and it was. Uh, and I, I want to say this real quickly about Sam Howell: for, for all of the things that he did and accomplished this year, the thing that I was most impressed with, um, and was I thought was very revealing about him as a person, was. Uh, we, we we lose Kate Fortin, and then Jace Ruder gets hurt, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's a, a walk-on as the backup quarterback, and he wasn't in a position to push Sam Howell. And so the, what I'm bringing up is the, the fact that Sam continued to push himself, play with an edge, never get comfortable, um, constantly practiced, competed, and prepared as if he had two or three guys behind him that were competing for his job, and and uh, that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot, and that's a big reason why he got better every week. Going into this season, it's a whole different room in the quarterback room. We've got um, Jace Reuter returns, so he's coming back healthy and is cleared for spring ball. Sam Howell is now going into his second year with 13 productive starts underneath him. And then we have Jacoby Criswell, Uh, who I've been recruiting for three years on campus and learning the offense as as we speak. And he will be competing in spring ball. And then, you know, you have a a walk-on that played last year now that at least knows the offense and and can flip it around a little bit. And so you've got four guys in the room right now that are competent or better um, going into spring ball, And, and that's obviously drastically different from what that picture looked like in the fall
0: coach uh i mean just let, let me ask you about this uh, we heard often and many times last year that perhaps you guys decided not to rush sam howell let him run the ball as often as you might like to run it uh because you were a little bit of uh worried concerned that, you know, if, if he went out, if he got tweaked an ankle or, you know, uh, bruised, uh, you know, a, a muscle that you guys would be then, you know, in the situation you just described. Is that going to change for next year, do you think? Or do you think you're going to run Sam a little bit more? Uh, a lot of speculation about that at Inside Carolina.
1: Well, I, I think there were some times after the Jace ruder injury. Where we had our our number four a walk on bump all the way up to becoming the backup, where there was a legitimate concern for uh, having Sam utilize his legs and, and 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 get tackled and take some hits uh, throughout the, the the middle portion and the and the home run stretch of the season, because for the middle four or five games, all of a sudden now we had a walk on. Uh, quarterback who wasn't making any, or getting any throws. He wasn't getting any reps um, and, and, he, and he wasn't getting any individual meetings at quarterback to prepare because he was four away from the starting position. So yes, we were very, very careful. Um, Sam wasn't going to run it unless he absolutely had to, you know, and we, we had to try to game plan and design some things um, that would eliminate his option to run the ball, whether it be in a scramble, a design quarterback run or even off of a pull on a on a zone read type type concept so it 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 was limiting because um he couldn't add live the way he did at temple I mean at temple he had one design run, he had one pull, and he had one scramble, and those three plays alone changed the complexion of the game uh. And it may be only in the way that the Temple defense had to at least honor him as a weapon. Um, and, and you go into the game with us last year not really feeling that way because we weren't using him. And so it may be one, two, three runs a game. There may be some games where he runs it a little bit more. But uh, it having that just as an option, as an aspect of, of your system, just as another uh, bullet to fire, is is obviously a huge advantage for us offensively
0: let me ask you, you you've got a bunch of weapons skill players coming back and, and let's go to the wide receivers first um you know you you, you got daz coming back you got uh Diamy coming back both thousand yard receivers you got bo corrales coming back you've got some other contributors coming back uh Uh, Besides those names that uh, UNC fans already know about, who is it that you think might emerge next year? And I I can tell you off the top of my head that a lot of people are excited about Josh Downs uh, for next year based on what he did in the All-American game.
1: Well, I, I think from a coaching standpoint, we're excited about all the new faces that we have at the skill positions. If, if we weren't, we wouldn't have recruited them. Um, and then some, some of the guys have been given opportunities in numerous or various different all-star games to kind of display what they could do, maybe maybe a little bit more than some of the others. And so, you know, Josh was, was given an opportunity to be on center stage in a big game, and he made the most of it. And I think everybody really saw what, what we saw when we were recruiting him. And, and I also would tell you that anytime we have at any position, a player with that type of speed and athleticism, you know, we all know, you know, what the capabilities are in the offense to, you know, to, to, to promote those talents. And so I, we're looking forward to Josh Downs and, and the rest of the uh, skill recruiting class. We've got a number of them on campus right now, so they'll, they'll have the benefit of learning the offense now and going to a spring ball. Um, all told, offensively and defensively, we've got 13 on campus now, and we have 12 more reporting at the end of the semester. So those guys give us what we, we drastically needed and wanted last year that we didn't have that Coach Brown talked about so much, and that's legitimate depth that can push the starters and legitimate depth that can – Rest a guy at a position, and bring out the second one who can still be as much of a weapon and keep everybody fresh. So we're we're thrilled to have that depth here. Um, I think uh, any of those guys that have speed, we feel like can they'll probably have a, a a much better shot at getting on the field sooner rather than later because that's that's really what the the offense is all about.
0: Last year, Mac Brown said numerous times uh, that the strongest room on, in, on the entire UNC team was the running back room. And you got Michael Carter decided he was going to come back, probably could have turned pro. You got Javante Williams. Both of those guys, one over 1,000 yards, one pushing it very closely. And then Josh Henderson looked pretty good, Uh you know, down the stretch, you know, when he had an opportunity to play, do you still feel like that running back might uh, be still the strongest part of the offense or is it evened out some?
1: What's your take on that? I think overall the other rooms are catching up because they're improving. You know, all the 14 or 15 receivers coming back are a year more mature. They have a year of Coach Galloway's leadership under their belt and they've got you know, a year of practice in the offense under the belt, so that whole group is going to be better. And those were great kids from the get-go. We just, it was, it was evident. Um, and and I think the O-line room, the tight end room, even the quarterback room, they were a little bit younger than the the running back room. Um, what what Carter and Javante Williams and Antonio Williams um, really provided us were three extremely mature veterans with a lot of experience um, and a lot of talent and a lot of maturity and a lot of uh, leadership. Um, And they were probably just the best combination of all of those things on the offensive side of the football. And it, it may still be the most solid room. I mean, Antonio Williams is a huge loss on the field. He was very productive and off the field. I mean, he was as much of a of a leader and as much of the glue in our locker room as anybody on the team. And he gave whatever he could in special teams as well. So he's, he's a big loss. And I think, um, we're very happy that, uh, we feel really, really good about each room offensively. And since Carter and Javante are coming back, you know, that's going to be a strong room on this team until they're no longer here.
0: Last year, you guys were very, very young on the offensive line. You had basically Charlie Heck and Nick Polino uh, that had some experience. Next year, uh, uh, last year, a ton of guys got some experience, some reps. um, And uh, I suspect, and whether you will verify this, we'll see, but that you have probably a little bit more depth than you had last year on the offensive line, especially in terms of career starts and, you know, guys behind them. How are you feeling about the offensive line headed into 2020?
1: Well, I think it's twofold. We have a we have a group of, of, of new offensive talent coming in, and how they transition to the physicality of the college game still remains to be seen because – uh, you know they we've still got to get it into pads and and move around and see how they handle it, but from from an evaluation standpoint and a talent standpoint, you know we're excited about that group, so we expect that group to add some competitive depth to the offensive line. but we also have some developed depth and that and what I mean by that is we we played a lot of guys this year we played a lot of other guys up front on the offensive line. Um, you know there's probably four tackles that played a good amount four guards that played a good amount we played two centers uh, throughout the season three got some work um, but two primarily and so there are a lot of guys that got some um, you know some snaps and games that will help develop them and then we know I I think you already know this but we give equal reps in practice to our, our second group and so they got the same amount of reps as Sam Howell and all of the other starters, and that goes a long way to helping them develop as well. Um, spring ball will be about giving more opportunities to, to some of the even younger kids. but I, I think anytime you have a large group coming back like we do at the offensive line position, the key at that spot is continuity and and they're going to have more continuity this year with, with all of the playing time they have alongside of each other so that that's a group as an entire room that you, you want to get better as a, an overall unit. And we all fully expect that unit to be better than they were last year.
0: Let's talk a moment about teaching. Um, you know, there was some carryover, I suspect from the offense that, uh, UNC ran, uh, before you got there. And especially in terms of tempo and, uh, but, The air raid was a a slightly different flavor of the spread than what North Carolina had run. And so talk a minute about teaching. Are the guys that played last year um, while, you know, you were teaching them, are they going to be able now in turn to help teach uh, the newcomers to the offense or, you know, other people, you know, the depth behind them, uh, how how does that transition work? You know, when you go from uh, a brand-new offense to year two of an offense, both in terms of familiarity of the guys with the first team and, and teaching behind them.
1: Oh, it's interesting that you ask that because we had uh, – it, it, it's something that we've expressed to our offensive personnel already. Uh, this semester in that over multiple years and and, uh, multiple different programs, the improvement between year one and year two is usually the most drastic. You know, it's interesting too. They say SAT testing and ACT testing by, you know, our prospects, typically their biggest improvement is between the first test and the second test. And that kind of holds true with the offense. The third year and the fourth year, there, there there have been improvements at recent, you know, at that uh, former places. But year one and year two is usually the biggest jump. And it's because it's the first time that they're returning already knowing the system. You know, last year, the spring was simply about learning the offense. And, you know, you heard me say that a lot in the spring. we The quarterbacks really didn't compete as much as they did um learn learn the system so they can run it and then they competed in August for the job. This year, these guys know it. I mean Sam Howell can run this offense in his sleep. And so he's a lot more comfortable correcting a receiver or bumping it back over the other side or 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 providing some feedback to a tight end. Those are all benefits. You know, one of the things I say all the time coming back to second year is we have our five coaches returning. But we're going to have 38 or 39 returning coaches on offense because the guy standing in the front of the line at all the drills and all the concepts and all the plays can turn around to the Josh Downs of the world and teach them. So, you know, we've got 40-plus coaches on that field this year, whereas last year coaches were learning a little bit and and players had no clue. It's an entirely different world going into the spring.
0: Let me ask you this. in, In terms of Sam Howell, uh, I'm going to ask you some other questions about the quarterback room, but what can he get better at in year two? I mean, he was phenomenal if, if he just duplicated what he did in 2019, that would be amazing. But what, what are the kind of things you're focused on in in terms of Sam, how getting better in 2020?
1: A couple of the things that he and I talked about with him personally at the quarterback position, um, He's he's working diligently right now at becoming uh, more flexible. You know, he's working on hip flexibility on a daily basis. That's something on the athletic side that Brian Hess is going to address with him and he and I talked about um, just so he's a little bit more mobile. Um, And, and, you know, it's something that you want to work on with all of your players, but I just thought athletically that was one of the areas that we wanted to improve on going into next year. Um, Mentally. You know the the benefit to this offense is there's not not going to be a whole lot more for them to learn from a mental standpoint. Uh, we just want them to continue to get better, sharper, quicker at what we're doing. Um, and and Sam works at it every day. So you know we're now progressing to calling the offense against all the NFL defenses. Some of them are maybe a little bit more elaborate, or they may have uh, more overall depth and speed, and so. You know, we're looking at things and making decisions against the very best in in football with the offense that we're running. And and those are things that are helping him on the the middle end right now. And then, you know, he's identifying some throws that he would like to be maybe a little bit sharper with. And so we'll focus in on some of those things in spring ball so that he's a, a cleaner, more polished quarterback going into next fall.
0: What what about the time that he's able to spend with receivers? You know, like during the summer, when you know practices aren't taking place, but you know, voluntarily just getting out and working with receivers in terms of chemistry. How much does that count from one year to the next? Oh, it's huge, and and,
1: and really, um, it's something that I precisely uh, brought up to our guys recently, and that was, I thought one of the most productive aspects of last year's preparation was the time they spent together in the summer teaching and learning the offense together and repping things and getting their timing down. Sam was out there with the skill guys all summer, throwing, coaching them up. You know, we can't go out there. We're not able to do anything with them. So, you know, those are player-led practices. And I thought uh, we got about as much out of the summer as we could get with a college football team as as we got out of this group last year and that's that's a tribute to their commitment and their dedication and their work ethic because and I say that because we saw the difference in August camp from the spring and it was drastic and that doesn't happen if you don't put the time in in the summer and they did and it and it paid great dividends and it's a big reason why they accomplished what they did this year
0: one last question, coach, and I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. But, uh, you know, we have already behind the scenes gotten reports about uh, Jacoby Criswell. What, what do you like about what he brings to the game? And, and we're going to enjoy Sam Howe for a couple of more years. But, you know, there's going to be a year when Sam howe has gone. So what is it? about Jacoby Criswell that led you to recruit him for three years and what do you think he brings to the game? So, uh, you know, we, those of us that start thinking down the road can get, uh, started thinking about Jacoby.
1: Jacoby. And I'm going to date myself here, but he reminds me a lot. He always has, he reminds me of Donovan McNabb. Um, and, and because athletically he's similar, um, he can he can run around. He can throw on the move. Um, he can make most throws from almost any platform. And what I mean by that is off balance to the left, to the right. You know, uh, uh, back pedaling, rolling left and throwing with his right. I mean, he can do all of those things throwing off platform. So, uh, and that's the reality of college football. The, the days of just sitting back there and, and picking people apart like you're throwing seven on seven. You know, that's that's not reality. And so you want you want a guy who can make throws when they're off balance, they're on the move, and he does a great job. He's also very poised on the field, but in a very different way than Sam. They're, they're two very different personalities. Um, I would say Jacoby's more excitable. Um, yeah, Jacoby plays with a lot of energy. Uh, Jacoby is much more demonstrative on the field than Sam. And there are a lot of different ways to get it done, and, and personality-wise they're different. Uh, but he loves the game and the X and O side of it also. Um, and, and that's something I've always appreciated about him. Um, he, he throws a heck of a ball. I think the receivers are really enjoying throwing with him as, uh, the same way they do Sam. And, and then I think he'll bring a little bit, little bit more to the table with his game athletically. So those are some of the things that stood out to me I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in his entire class across the country, and I'm thrilled about having him on campus. And, you know, to have Jace Reuter and Jacoby Criswell and Sam Howell in the same room is is, is going to be awesome and, and a heck of a lot of fun this spring to go, Coach.
0: Okay, I said that was my last question, but I lied. So uh, <laughs> my, uh, my last question is, you know, North Carolina – is getting a ton of uh, preseason love in terms of uh, preseason rankings uh, in in a lot of different ways. Uh, People are thinking that North Carolina could really make a move. You lost a lot of games by a single score last year. Uh, So how are you treating that this year in terms of, or do you even think about it in terms of, you know what's our ceiling you know what are we after what can we do uh so just, just in terms of you know what you're thinking is uh what, what do you think about the the ceiling for this uh North Carolina team in 2020
1: you know I, my my feeling on that and and uh the way i've always addressed it is the the excitement and and the coverage and the attention that Um, they garnered after the season is all a a product and a result of what they accomplished during the season. And so if if after the bowl game and and a little bit into the winter time, they enjoyed that, that's great. I mean, they earned it. Um, But now that we're heading into this eight-week training period with Brian Hess in preparation for spring ball, nothing that we did last year statistically or, or or wins and losses wise is really going to directly impact next year unless we build on what we did so the focus now has to be you know and coach always said hey take tonight to enjoy the win wins are hard to come by enjoy it but when we come back here tomorrow you know we'll, we'll celebrate a little bit in our team meeting in the morning and then we are going to focus in and lock in on the next most important game and that's the next one so right now this is the next season it's the next most important season and so that it sounds like coaches rhetoric but that's what you have to do i mean you don't ever win a game in the future on what you did in the past so we have to have a very very productive spring ball Uh, we have no wins in the 2020 season right now and then we've got to do the same thing this summer that we did last year Um, and our goal is is to pick up uh on opening day where we left off in the 2019 season and that's not an easy thing to do so we've got a lot of work between today and central florida if if that's our goal if that's what we want to accomplish there's there's a lot to be done
0: coach i appreciate so much you taking the time to to speak with us a lot of good information there and uh look forward to seeing uh the team in the spring and the off-season gains uh, again, thanks from uh, Inside Carolina for spending some time with us.
1: Well, you got to appreciate the invitation. Go Heels.
0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.
1: The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag